Cage 3650, Physiology of Exercise, Lecture Thursday, August 27th, Creatine Loading and Supplementation. All right, so when we finished up last time, we were talking about um, uh, the creatine phosphate energy system. And again, what's the major purpose of that creatine phosphate energy system? What does it do? It's to, the, the technical term would be to rephosphorylate ATP, okay, to replenish ATP that's being used, all right? So it's the first of these three main energy systems that um, uh, we're going to talk about uh, for this given purpose, all right? So there's a variety of things we're going to talk about today in terms of how we can manipulate that energy system to try to improve performance. Just as a review, we know that our creatine phosphate is a reservoir or pool of phosphate and energy that we can use to, to uh, combine with ADP to replenish ATP stores, adenosine triphosphate. Um, as a reminder, our turnover of creatine is about 2 grams a day. We, we eat or the body manufactures about 2 grams of creatine a day. And uh, again, creatine is this, um, it's kind of like a protein molecule, circulates around the body through the blood, taken up by various tissues. Some of the extra creatine is metabolized by your kidneys and goes out of the body in your urine as creatinine. Okay? Um, and then we had our scheme where uh, the creatine phosphate is this important source to replenish ATP. Unlike ATP, we can substantially reduce our creatine phosphate stores in muscle. When this goes down, we can't, it's not available to replenish ATP. If we keep exercising, ATP is going to start to go down until about what level? It's roughly 70%. And then it's not going to go down any more than that. And when it starts to level off, then this muscle, the energy state drops, we get fatigue. Okay. So the rationale is, uh, well, the idea is that we're, we, we've come to uh, what are commonly called ergogenic aids, okay? These are strategies or substances or supplements or drugs or things that we might do or use to try to help us improve performance, okay? Ergo means work. And, and genic is like to generate. So the idea is we're actually trying to improve or generate more work or performance. Okay? Now, uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, which may be a little bit dated for you all, but uh, uh, Chariots of Fire. Anybody seen Chariots of Fire? Know what it's about? What's it about? <laughs> Sorry, I put you on the spot. <laughs> See, if you say you saw something. Yeah, it's, it's about the Olympics. And the story really centers on two athletes uh, who are going to participate in the Paris Olympics in 1924, I think it was. And it's kind of an interesting perspective of athletes in those days. And in fact, it was frowned upon. In those days, those athletes were very strictly amateur. Okay? Couldn't receive any kind of payment or, or, or make your living from playing these sports. And it's actually portrayed in this movie how interesting it is that the attitude was that even if you were too serious about practicing or training in your sport, that was kind of frowned upon. The, the, the notion in the culture at the time was 
Everybody shows up at the Olympics, and whoever the best athlete is wins on that particular day. Uh, and so we know that training is very much an ergogenic aid. It's a strategy, and it's something that we uh, don't have that kind of attitude anymore. And in fact, we will do lots of things to try to manipulate training to achieve the best result in performance for any given sport. A lot of times when you hear the term ergogenic aid, we think of something bad, right? You think of using steroids or something like that. There's all kinds of positive or appropriate ergogenic aids or strategies. Okay, so, so it can include a variety of different, this ergogenic process can uh, involve a variety of different things. Now, this particular type of strategy is we have a fuel source. We've got creatine phosphate in this muscle. Okay, it is a fuel source that can be used to rephosphorylate ATP. But we also know that when it depletes, fatigue follows relatively quickly. So what if we could increase the size or the amount of this important fuel source? It's sort of like a gas tank, if you will, of creatine phosphate in this muscle. What if we could put a bigger gas tank in there? Well, I call this the Chevette principle. When I was in graduate school, um, at least until it broke down, my, uh, uh, and I rode my bike mostly, my main mode of transportation was a 1984 Chevette that had about 140,000 miles on it. Okay? This notion of improving performance by increasing the size of the gas tank can be applied to this Chevette. If I took that Chevette and took it to the mechanic and have him cut the you know, 9-gallon gas tank out of it and put a 20-gallon gas tank in it, would it help that car go faster? No. Okay. So just putting more fuel on board is not necessarily going to make that vehicle go faster. What might it do, though? It could go longer. It could go longer at its top speed, okay, which for that car was about 55 miles an hour downhill with a tailwind. All right. So... That's the strategy with creatine and manipulating this creatine phosphate system is we've got this important fuel source that's in limited supply in the muscle. But if we can figure out a way to increase the amount of that fuel supply in there, we may be able to do something to enhance performance. Okay? But people have the wrong idea with this. All right, well, how do we get a bigger creatine fuel tank? Uh, Typical turnover of creatine is about two grams a day. You, in the food that you eat, you will take in about two grams of creatine a day, you know, plus or minus, depending on how big you are, how much meat you eat, you know, et cetera. Uh, some enterprising scientists came up with this idea actually in the 60s and thought, gosh, what if we could just increase the amount of creatine in the diet? Would the body absorb it and store it in the muscle? So what they did was they increased the amount of creatine in a short period of time over a five-day period, and they increased it from the typical body's intake of two grams a day to 20 grams a day. Okay? Now, if you did this with food, your, your best sources of creatine in food is meat. And in fact, when you cook the meat, creatine is a protein, and it'll break down if you 
cook the meat real thoroughly. So the best source of creatine is actually raw meat. So to get 20 grams a day of creatine from food, you would have to eat somewhere in the neighborhood of about 10 pounds of raw meat. A lot of steak tartare, right? A lot of steak tartare. Um, all right, well, obviously that's not, well, it's possible, but probably not likely. So how do people get this creatine in? Supplements. They go to, you know, some uh, type of nutrition, supplement, food store, and they buy it in a, in a you know, refined, processed uh, creatine, usually in the form of creatine monohydrate. Uh, it's a white powder. You mix it up with either water or some kind of uh, other uh, beverage and hope it dissolves and you consume it that way. All right, so what this does is increases the individual's increase of creatine from 2 grams a day to about 20 grams a day. What is commonly referred to as creatine loading lasts usually for 5, 6, 7 days at that sort of dosage. Okay, We're going to talk about what I refer to as supplementation in a little bit, and it involves a much lower dosage, uh, uh, which, which we'll get to. Okay, so what happens when you do this? Well, here's our, here's our scheme. You know, instead of uh, uh, eating it as food, we take it in as a creatine supplement, and we get 20 to 25 grams of creatine a day. The amount of creatine in your bloodstream goes up dramatically, and a good bit of that creatine is taken up by muscle and phosphorylated. And most studies show that for most people, the increase of this creatine in your muscle is about 20%. Okay, about 20%. I will tell you there are non-responders. There are folks who take this amount of creatine in and the content in their muscle does not really go up appreciably. So there are non-responders. Now... You can imagine if you have increased your intake of this nutrient by about 10 times, what's going to happen to your body's excretion of this nutrient? It's going to go up as well. And so, in fact, we do see uh, uh, urine creatinine levels increase because the body can only take up so much, and so it's increased its output to get rid of the excess. All right. Well, does it, does it, does it work? Does it help us? Let's look at, uh, first of all, a couple of the physiological studies where they actually took muscle biopsies and looked at the amount of uh, creatine over time. This is one of the first studies that uh, basically what they did is they gave these subjects 20 grams a day for six days, um, and, then they, and then they stopped giving it to them. Okay, so they just loaded them for six days, and then they stopped giving it to them. And here's what happens. Uh, a typical level of creatine in the muscle is about 120, 125. Uh, after that six days of loading, it goes up to about 145, which is about a 20% increase. And then slowly over time, uh, they took biopsies again three weeks later and uh, four weeks later. And what happens to the muscle creatine? Slowly starts to come down. So after about what period of time do you think it's going to be back down to about normal? Another week or so. So it's going to take a, a month, okay, four, five, six weeks. If you load with the creatine, most people's levels are going to go up in their muscle. But if you stop taking it over about the next month, it's slowly going to come down again. Okay? So they thought, well, 
we were able to get the levels up 20%, how can we keep them up there? So they gave them the same regimen, 20 grams a day for six days, but now every day after that, they gave them a supplement of two grams. Okay, so not, not this big loading dose, but they just gave them a supplement amount of two grams. And here's what happened. Started out at about the same place, went up to the same place, but what happened over the next three or four weeks? Maintained. Okay, so we know from muscle studies, uh, it, you know, at least with a, a, a reasonable uh, percentage of people, if you load, levels will go up, and if you supplement, levels will maintain for some length of time. Okay? So it works. Now, I keep using this term supplementation. Uh, and let me ask you all, uh, how many of you all are familiar with this notion of creatine loading and what are some of the problems that people maybe associate with creatine loading? With diarrhea? What else? Bloating? Gastrointestinal problems? Okay. And, and um, I think people have uh, unfortunately lumped creatine use with use of other strength and power ergogenic aids that are, um, I think, far, I won't even say far worse, that I think are completely inappropriate, like anabolic steroid use. Okay? And the, I, in my opinion, they're two completely separate things. Because um, you've got one that's, you know, the steroids, which are typically drugs that are typically only a, obtainable by uh, prescription by a physician. And on the other hand, you've got creatine, which is a substance naturally found in food. Okay? And it's a, sup it's a supplement. Um, but I can tell you, if you take almost any nutrient that you're used to consuming and overnight you increase your consumption by 10 times the amount, you're probably going to have some bloating, diarrhea, gastrointestinal problems, okay? Um, we'll get to this eventually, but really no studies have systematically shown long-term adverse effects with taking even relatively high amounts of creatine if the individual has uh, healthy kidneys, okay? There's a pro there can potentially be a problem if people have some kind of kidney uh, dysfunction, and we'll get there. All right. Well, having said that, though, I'm not a big proponent of creatine loading, and this study shows exactly why. So here's the first two parts of the study. It's the same study. They just added a third part. Here's the first two parts where they loaded and then quit giving it to them. So it, muscle levels went up and then slowly came down over time. And here's what happened when they loaded and then supplemented. It went up and then stayed up when they gave them two grams a day. Uh, they did a third piece to this, and instead of loading, all they did was started off giving them three grams a day. Okay, you typically eat about two grams a day, so they just started supplementing, and here's what happened. Started at about the same level, you know, after... Two weeks, it wasn't quite up where the other ones were yet, but after uh, four weeks, right up where the other ones were. Okay? So by modestly supplementing the diet with creatine, you can achieve the same results in terms of increasing the muscle levels without having to follow that, that more intense kind of loading regimen. Okay? Question? Was that um, not produced like the, the gastroenterologist? 
probably not because uh, uh, I wouldn't think so. I mean, three grams a day is pretty, pretty modest. You know, it's a pretty modest amount. So, okay, question. You're getting three grams from supplementation, and then your, your liver's still doing the other two grams. Or? Uh, we think what happens is your your body does have an amazing way of counter-regulating. And so if the body is seeing high levels of creatine, it, it will reduce its endogenous or internal uh, production. It, it's sort of exactly the same thing you see with uh, a whole host of other things. We'll talk about it again when we do steroids because when the body is seeing high uh, kind of fake testosterone levels from taking anabolic steroids, the body sees or senses these high levels and uh, in a man, the testes pretty much shut down production of, of internal uh, testosterone production. And that's what happened when they're, you know, they're, their testicles atrophy and you know, they become sterile and that kind of thing. So your body has a way of counter-regulating. Um, as far as my understanding, when you stop taking the supplement, um, there, there's no sudden decline of, of uh, creatine. Is that your body just picks up its normal production of it again. Okay. All right, so for that reason, I'm not a real big proponent of the loading phase. It's, it's really only if people haven't planned appropriately. If you've, if you've not figured out how you want this creatine supplementation to work in your training program and you've waited too long and you've got to pack it in all of a sudden in four or five days instead of taking, uh, you know, it... it it's, it's going to take three or four weeks to get up to the same level, but if you've planned appropriately, you can start that process and make sure this increase is, is available when needed. All right, well, does it work? Let's take a look, first of all, at the effect. Uh, this is a pretty good study. It was done at Penn State, and it looked at a variety of different factors. Uh, we're going to focus on the one repetition maximum bench press. Okay, so does creatine loading, does increasing your muscle creatine stores help you get stronger? Okay, and, and in this case, this study looked at, uh, used one of those measures was the maximal amount of weight that could be lifted with a bench press one time. It used pretty well-trained athletes uh, at, uh, uh, they were intercollegiate athletes at this institution. Uh, it was well-designed, they matched them. Uh, random assignment to, remember we talked about random assignment to either the creatine group or the non-creatine group. It was double blind. The subjects didn't know what they were getting. The investigators didn't know what they were getting. Okay, so pretty well, well uh, designed study. These athletes were fairly, fairly good size. So they, they actually gave them 25 grams a day, a little bit more than we talked about there, um, for a week, for seven days. And typically with creatine, so you don't pack it in all at once, you split it up in smaller doses over the course of the day. It's, I mean, just, just by tradition, I guess, it's typically 5 grams a day. And so if you want 20 grams, you, you chug it down 4 times a day. In this case, they did it 5 times a day. So they did a pretest of bench press. So let's, let's see what they found. Um, Oh, this is the increase. Okay, so they did a pretest in their bench press, and then one group got creatine, one group did not get creatine, and after a week, 
of this creatine loading, or the placebo, they retested their bench press. And what this graph represents is how much their bench press improved over the course of a week. And even though these look different, there was no statistically significant difference in the amount of increase. Okay? So what that tells us is the creatine was not a magic powder that within a one-week period of time caused their bench press to go up significantly more than people who weren't getting it. Okay? So adding more fuel to the gas tank didn't immediately, overnight, make this go faster. But these researchers were smart and they had planned this study to continue it over a longer training period. So what they did, all right, so um, no significant difference in their one rep max in the bench press between the placebo and the, the other group. Uh, there was an increase in one rep bench press probably due to this, this learning effect, okay? If you're not used to doing uh, maximal lifts, you, you do it a couple of times, you get better at it, so when you come back a week later, you actually can lift a little bit more. All right, well, what they did was they followed these athletes and they, they put them on a very regimented, specific strength training program um, for 12 weeks. They gave the athletes who were getting the creatine were getting a maintenance dose of 5 grams a day. Okay, so they were getting a maintenance dose of 5 grams a day. And here's what they found. Uh, any athlete, hopefully, if you've done your job and designed a good strength training program for them, after 12 weeks will improve their one rep max, will improve their strength. And in fact, here's our placebo group. Uh, here was the improvement after a week. Here was the improvement after 12 weeks. And they improved by about 14 or so kilograms. Uh, so a little over 15, 16 pounds improved their one rep max. Okay? Here is the increase in the group that got the creatine. And it was a significantly greater increase than the group that got the placebo. Pretty well-controlled studies, and there are some other studies. That, this is an example of one of the studies that showed us that there is an improvement, in this case strength, but it wasn't overnight. It wasn't due to just the loading period. It was over some period of time. Okay? Well, how did this occur? These researchers were also smart enough to keep track of all of their individual workouts. And what they found, for, for example, in each, uh, whatever it was, uh, two or three days a week when they did the bench press uh, exercise, they did five sets. And they kept track of how many repetitions they could do. And with every set of the bench press, the group getting the creatine was able to do more reps than the other group. And in fact, if you look at over, over those five sets, it's eight more repetitions over the five. So in any given workout day, they were able to keep going at the same lifting intensity for a longer period of time. Eight more repetitions. So essentially what that results in, if, let's just take it over, extrapolate it over a year. If you're able to do eight more reps per workout, and you're working out three times a week and uh, 52 weeks out of the year, the person getting the creatine is getting almost uh, uh, a little over 1,200 more repetitions in the bench press than the person who's not getting the creatine. So who's going to get stronger? 
Okay? So that's the idea with creatine loading or supplementation. It does not make you instantly stronger. It, it appears that in conjunction with a regular, rigorous strength training program, it allows individuals to do a little more work, a little more training volume, which allows them then over time to be stronger or faster or more powerful. Okay, does that make sense? Now, does the 50-year-old college professor who's uh, uh, working out at the local fitness club need creatine supplementation? Almost certainly not. If he's trying to get, he or she is trying to get stronger, uh, chances are probably all they need to do is work out a little more frequently. Okay? Um, uh, so I'm not advocating the use of creatine supplementation on a, on a widespread basis. But it does appear for some athletes in certain circumstances, it can be a valuable ergogenic strategy to aid their training to help them get stronger or faster. Okay? It is, we're going to talk a lot about carbohydrate manipulation for endurance athletes. I think creatine loading for the strength and, or creatine supplementation for the strength and power athlete is pretty similar to what we would recommend to an endurance athlete in terms of drinking a carbohydrate drink during a race or carbohydrate loading during the four or five days before a race. Okay? Relatively analogous. Okay. Now, again, there are some documented adverse effects. Um, with loading, the typical studies show if people take that 20 grams a day for five days, they usually gain somewhere in the neighborhood of two or three kilograms of weight in that first week. Okay? Some people refer to that as an adverse effect. A lot of times these athletes are actually trying to gain weight, but they're trying to gain what kind of weight? Are you going to add three, four, five pounds of muscle in a week? No. Okay? And in fact, studies of body composition with creatine loading essentially show that that weight gain is mostly water. Okay? The short-term weight gain with creatine loading is water. Creatine is an osmotic molecule. If you get more of it in the muscle, it is going to pull more water into the muscle with it. Okay? And the person is going to retain more water, and therefore their weight goes up. Now, the study that I just showed you also looked at body composition and showed that the athletes who got the creatine over 12 weeks of rigorous training did increase their muscle mass more than the athletes who got the placebo. Okay? I, again, it's probably a secondary effect to the idea that the creatine allowed them to do, uh, have a higher training volume. More reps, more weight over more longer period of time. Okay? Um, people who have any kind of kidney disease or kidney dysfunction should not be doing this because it's your kidneys that filter, metabolize the extra creatine and send it out as creatinine. Okay? Studies looking at people who have been taking creatine over long periods of time show your creatinine levels do go up but they tend to be in that high normal range and not in the range where a physician would send you to the hospital because he's afraid you're in kidney failure. Okay? So there are some documented adverse effects, but none that can be systematically uh, uh, 
you know, particularly when creatine first came out, there are lots of anecdotal reports from athletic trainers and coaches and things like that about, uh, you know, these athletes are cramping more, they're getting more muscle pulls and strains and that kind of stuff. No systematic evidence, okay? That, that, that kind of talk is basically anecdotal. It's what I think I'm seeing. All right, so some very specific creatine use recommendations. The application of this stuff is very specific to strength and power. Very specific to strength and power. Okay? It, it, it manipulates the energy system whose duration is about uh, what in duration? 5 to 10 seconds. 5, 10, 15 seconds. Okay? So it's very specific to the, the types of activities that are very short, very high intensity, strength and power oriented events. I have endurance athletes ask me all the time, well, how about if I do this so that at the end of the five hour bike race, I've got a better sprint than the guy next to me. And so I tell them, well, that's fine. Go on ahead and load up on creatine. Uh, it would be the same as strapping a, a five, six, seven pound backpack on your bike. You know, most of those athletes, the bike racers, try to trim ounces off by using titanium parts and stuff like that. This would have the effect of increasing the amount of water that you're carrying. It would be like slapping a five pound weight on your bike. Okay, most people, that wouldn't make sense for them. Okay, so um, not effective for endurance type events, very specific. Uh, it's not a magic pill. It does not work overnight. Like most of the ergogenic aids we're going to talk about, it works in conjunction with a long-term, rigorous, appropriate training program. Okay? You can't take creatine supplements and sit on the couch and then in 12 weeks jump up and you, you can bench press 40 more pounds. Um, there are responders and non-responders. Those of you who have started reading the article... You know, this will start to sound familiar because some folks who tend to have lower initial levels of creatine are folks who don't eat a lot of meat or don't eat any meat. And so there may be the potential that they may respond more because if you start with a low level, they may then take up more of this um, supplemental creatine. And so check out the article and see if that, that uh, works out. Again, no use if kidney disease uh, is present or if there's any kidney dysfunction. Um, loading, which I do not think is necessary if you plan properly, but I, I don't think it's all that bad if people don't have uh, significant gastrointestinal problems. But the typical regimen is somewhere between 20 to 25 grams a day. That's usually split up into four or five doses across the day. And, um, yeah, in four or five doses. Uh, if somebody's going to supplement, depending on their body size, it may be as little as two, might be three, four, maybe up to five. If you've got really large people, uh, maybe up to five grams per day to, to supplement. Uh, there are some studies showing that consuming the creatine with a carbohydrate beverage um, helps get your insulin levels up the insulin helps the uptake of carbohydrate into muscle and the theory is that it, it also helps the uptake of the creatine into muscle. Okay, um, So you can either mix it with a sports drink or, or mix it up on its own and chase it with a sports drink or something like that. 
the carbohydrate just helps get the insulin levels up. Um, stay well hydrated because it, again it's a it's a uh, osmotically active um, substance. Uh, there are there are some couple of studies looking at uh, caffeine particularly interfering with the the loading process so you may want to avoid that and then of course just good common sense which is if the person's having big gastrointestinal problems or they're having you know difficulty tolerating it or whatever just stop using it and if necessary you know send them to their physician you know it, it may be the fact that it's uh, they're taking too much for their own personal ability to tolerate it um, and it may not be effective for them Okay. Questions on creatine loading, creatine supplementation. Anybody in here tried it? Effective? What? It, you, your own personal experience, you felt like it helped. Yeah. Okay. Adverse effects? I didn't Did you do the loading? Did you do like the 20 grams a day? Yeah. Uh, yes and no. Um, all right. Creatine is a food supplement. Well, you can get creatine naturally in the food that you eat, okay? And this is one of the this is one of the places where I think the NCAA is probably off track with their policies on this. But all right, you can get creatine in the food that you eat, just like you can get carbohydrate in the food that you eat. Uh, and I, I draw I do a lot of research with carbohydrate uh, manipulation, so I like to draw this analogy. For example, with endurance athletes. Uh, under periods where they're really intensely training, we may recommend that they eat up to 10 grams of carbohydrate for every kilogram of their body weight. Okay, that may be, depending on the size of the athlete, that might be six or seven or 800 grams of carbohydrate per day. So, you know, you're talking that could be in the neighborhood of 4,000 calories just of carbohydrate a day. Well, it's hard to eat that much food. In fact, I figured out one time it's something like uh, sitting down and eating 35 bananas. Okay, so instead, what we do is we suggest that athletes, uh, uh, in order to eat a good balanced diet and focus on increasing our carbohydrates, but to get that amount of carbohydrate, you need to supplement. All right, you usually need to take it in some kind of uh, uh, additional carbohydrate and some kind of supplement. To me, the analogy with creatine is exactly the same thing that if uh, uh, consuming more creatine may help these athletes uh, train harder, longer, um, and it's something you can find in food, it's just hard to eat all of it as food, then you supplement. Now, what the NCAA has said is it's not a substance that, for example, you could test positive for in a drug test. But what they have said is it's a muscle, well I can't remember the exact terminology, but it is a muscle building or muscle enhancing supplement that they've said that the uh, member institution cannot supply to the athlete. Okay, So in this case what happens is 
um, the institution cannot supply creatine to athletes that are NCAA athletes at that institution. This is one of those things, though, that you know, if you go decide to go out and have uh, you know a big huge steak, or you decide to go out and supplement creatine on your own, uh, it's not something that's going going to cause you to test positive that that would um, cause any problem with the NCAA. It's not a drug, okay, and it's not it's not a banned substance. Now. Just to make sure, I'm not advocating that anybody do this without talking to the the, the trainers, coaches, you know, etc. I don't, I don't want them lined up outside of my office, <laughs> giving me a hard time because I said, oh yeah, it's fine. NCAA doesn't care. But that's kind of the difference in their policy. It, you know, the, the same thing applied to giving, you know, like protein bars and shakes and stuff like that. So it's 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 really a misguided policy. Because they don't have the same policy related to carbohydrate intake, you can give your athletes all the Gatorade or you know whatever you want. But to them, it was a muscle building thing, so that was the policy that was put in place. Okay, does that make sense? Okay. There are plenty of other substances that, if you take, e even sometimes inadvertently, uh, and we'll talk about some of those. Um, that would cause you to test positive uh, that are on lists of banned substances because they're either um, uh, pre-hormones, uh, things that would be uh, a little back, little bit back up the chain to testosterone or you know, they could be stimulants or diuretics that would be counted as masking agents and that kind of thing. So there, there are plenty of those things, but creatine is not one of them. Okay? Good?